0: Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Well, we're at the
1: Makeup Design for Film and Television department. We're about to talk to an old friend of mine, Stan
2: Edmonds, who happens to be the head of this department. It's interesting because makeup is sort of old and new. There's still techniques that have been around for hundreds or thousands of years. And of course, we have a marriage going on with what we do and CGI, computer-generated imagery.
0: Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? But we're an international school, so we have students from all over
2: the world coming here and then returning to Europe and Asia and and the US. Acting program, a film program, writing program, 3D computer graphics, animation, and on and
0: on. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, everyone. Again, it's Marvin Polis, your co-host for Monetizing Your Creativity. And with me again is your other host, Fred Keating. We're in Canada. We're in Vancouver, Canada. In fact, we're at Vancouver Film School. We're in one of the hallways outside what department, Fred?
1: Well, we're at the Makeup Design for Film and Television Department. We're about to talk to an old friend of mine, Stan Edmonds, who happens to be the head of this department at this prestigious, if somewhat spread out, institution. We'll get into that a little later.
0: Is that him behind the mask?
1: That's him behind the mask. (laughs) (laughs) Stan, welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. Tell me where we are, Stan, right
2: now. I know it sounds like a corridor, and it is, but we're at the entrance to... Entrance to the makeup department, really. And uh, when you first come in, here we are at a little community bulletin board where we post a lot of different things for students, informational and our makeup of the month that we like to feature uh, some of our better student work.
1: Oh, look at that. And the mask of the month as well. So like the employee of the month at the fast food chain. But that's a great celebration of success. Look at that.
2: No, it's remarkable. And these are all senior students, um, uh, these particular ones. So you're looking at foam latex prosthetics and sculpting and painting they've done with the mask work. So it really features their talents. It's a pretty comprehensive
1: area of, of the entertainment industry. And what I'd like to ask at some point, of course, is how the new technologies, how it's changed in the years that you've been in it uh, in, a, in a manner that makes things possible that were only dreamt of
2: years ago it's interesting because makeup is sort of old and new I mean there's still techniques that have been around for hundreds or thousands of years but a lot of the materials have improved significantly over the last uh, 20-30 years and of course we have a marriage going on with what we do and CGI and really you can get the best of both worlds there's a lot of uh, sort of unnecessary panic in the makeup world of everything's being taken over by CGI, computer-generated imagery. But, you know, I've worked with a lot of young directors who go, I just watched uh, American Werewolf in London, it was made in 1980, there's no CGI, it looks amazing and, and there's a nice little backlash happening and I think a resurgence of practical effects and practical makeups. But. You can get a
0: nice marriage of those things. In fact, speaking of practical things, I, I noticed some of these masks down the hall. Do you want to show these to us? These are amazing. The window of the
2: our, our little uh, mascots here of the, the window of our general office. It's it's uh, this is a sort of a steampunk mask that was made by a student and she uh, donated uh, this particular one to us. She did in term five, and this severed head over here, this sort of Norse-looking uh, demon is uh, his name is Stan apparently, and not like Stan but Stan. Close. <laughs> Really close. Uh, it was made by one of our graduates too who presented it to us at graduation. And tell us about what we're seeing here with the, with the makeup and the hair. A lot of different collages of the kinds of work. We feature nothing but student work. So even when we're marketing our program or on our website or our Facebook page, it's always student work, not instructor work or you know professional artist work. And you can see the caliber that happens here. I, I've always found it from when I started here humbling to see what people coming in with very little background or do within like a year it's phenomenal the work they do so we like to feature that uh, a lot of this is from classwork assignments some of it's actually from competitions they'll do at trade shows that sort of thing
0: this is incredibly complex
2: it's, it's amazing. I mean, they're these are artistic. fantasy beauty uh, designs. They, most of them are original designs. Sometimes they will copy a design from a painting or something they're inspired by, but most of these are original. And you say it's a year-long program stand? One year, full-time, 48 weeks, five days a week, nine to five. So it's, it's really immersive, which is kind of the Vancouver Film School philosophy of all their programs. The idea is to come here and have a very intense year instead of two or three somewhere else. Tell me about the success ratio in terms
1: of actually getting work after I attend this rigorous year-long program.
2: That's, that's really the bottom line. That's the key thing and, and that's what anybody who's looking at a makeup school should, should, should be asking, frankly. It, it often depends on where you live. Uh, that's going to dictate what the supply and demand of the industry is and the work is. Here we are in Vancouver, the third busiest production center in North America, but we're an international school. So we have students from all over the world coming here and then returning to Europe and Asia and, and the US. And,
0: and just to be clear, it's, it's not only makeup at this school, right?
2: That's right. You have an acting program, a film program, writing program, uh, 3D computer graphics, animation, and on and
0: on. We need to come back and talk to some of those other people, but for this episode, let's talk more about uh, makeup and design.
1: I am, and one of the questions, and I hate to be so employment-oriented, but I have been all my life <laughs> trying to get a couple days of work of a month. Uh, in addition to uh, the, the Vancouver area or the uh, uh, Los Angeles or New York area, uh, I've been aware, I think, of some larger, wider, I should say, opportunities not only in film but often in, uh, in theater as well. Existing in regions like Dallas, uh, North Carolina has a great setup of, of sound stages, Atlanta is getting in on the action and there are a number of sort of regional areas in, in North America where a well-trained as opposed to a highly skilled amateur with no formal training except in perhaps kind of retail makeup not this sort of potential fantasy or period stuff could in fact uh, make a decent living that in fact is uh, what this podcast series is all about how to earn a decent living while pursuing your passion Uh, that's what we mean by monetizing our creativity i'm not sure we want to suggest anybody should go into it for the money but to go into it 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 helps to have a job or a job waiting
2: that has to be the focus. We're all freelancers in the, in the film and TV business, so you have to understand what the opportunities are for what your skills are. I mean, uh, people envision makeup artists says one thing quite often, and it's retail or it's people doing makeovers, but we train production makeup artists, which means we're training people in every as- aspect of makeup, from beauty and corrective and television to film makeup, right into actually sculpting and making molds and fabricating prosthetics. Uh, into wig, uh, wig making, making hair pieces, a certain amount of uh, editorial hairstyling and wig work, uh, right into the whole uh, advanced prosthetics thing. So this not just extends to production makeup artists in film and television, but many of our graduates go on to work in wig making, or specialize working in a makeup effects lab where they're sculpting and making molds, or uh, perhaps starting their own bridal business on the weekend while they're getting their film career started. So we're, we're trying, this is not about funneling people to retail, as I say, because a lot of beauty makeup schools that just do that, really that's their focus, but we want people working in the industry.
0: In fact, why don't we take a walk down the hall, because I think you have one or two of these labs down the hall, right? I think I saw some wigs. Okay. <laughs> Going to
2: see where the magic happens, huh? Yes, yes there's, uh, there's some wigs down here which are used for the, uh, these classrooms are, are term one and two students. There's six terms in a year, so they're here for about four months, their first four months of the year. This is where a lot of the corrective, basic beauty makeup starts. In this room is kind of an overflow room where we also do traditional media, artwork, oil painting, watercolor, we do some airbrushing. And these wigs that you see, all these uh, which have all been named uh, by our instructors, we just actually had drag day last week, so that's sort of a favorite of some of the instructors. Um, But these are also used to build character makeups and beauty makeups around.
1: Not to uh, hammer this nail too often, but these
2: are then transferable skills to stage work, theater work as well? Absolutely. Uh, Now in the theater, as you know, I mean makeup artists are not always working in the theater. They might be called in to design a show, to teach actors how to apply their makeup. There's some shows like those big shows like The Lion King or Cats or things like that where they do need a makeup crew. I do have a lot of students who worked in the operas, for example, at the San Francisco Opera House. And uh, in fact,
0: uh, one of the head wig mistresses of the Vancouver Opera is a graduate of ours in fact you mentioned to us before we started rolling that your graduates work all over the world we're really
2: excited about that they do Uh, not just in the busy centers i remember having a student a few years ago who was like i'm from ohio what am i going to do in ohio and you know anybody our age knows you had to go to toronto if you're in canada or you had to go to los angeles if you're in the states. She graduated, went back to Ohio, and, you know, we have a lot of career prep classes sort of advising all the things you need to do, to give you some focus of actual things to do when you're out of school to pursue work. She was working on the Avengers movie within a year of graduation. Awesome. Because the industry is sort of globalized. I mean, those things are shooting
0: in places like Ohio. And you are an international school, so uh, as you were telling us, you do have graduates who are working in Los Angeles. They're working in London. They're They're working in New York. Yeah, exactly, which is really exciting. In fact, we just found out in this last couple of months,
2: New York is the hardest IATSE local to get entrance into. Every IATSE union local uh, in North America, they all operate a little bit differently with their requirements. And we've now got a graduated uh, a graduate who, who who is in the New York local, and I've got a number of them in the LA Local 706. Now, IATSE stands for? International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, but they also cover film jurisdictions as well.
1: But if one wants to get ahead and get invited even to interview for
2: a higher level of production, you. it helps to have that union card. Absolutely. What's interesting is we all start off in the non-union world and actually even in California 65 percent of film and television is non-union but the higher-end production the the real big budget stuff the major studio stuff that everybody wants to work on tends to be union projects so we actually do a lot of career prep with our, our students to educate them about the union what the requirements are and how they go about that process. But is there a good
0: career to be had in in either realms?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people who have done their whole careers in the non-union world. There's nothing wrong with that at all, and most of the work certainly is there. But, you know, it, it used to take, it, it depends, it's different for everybody. I'm, I spent five years trying to get into the union years ago, uh, and I have graduates who are doing it in two or three. And uh, that's phenomenal. Part of that's the volume of work, depending on where they live. Um, part of that's them being a go-getter. Part of that's a lot of luck, as we know. And it's, and it's
1: regional as well with uh, various attitudes uh, towards union. I often tell people that, that uh, the year before I joined the uh, actors' union, I did 22 commercials. In the 22 years since I've joined the union, I've done two.
2: Isn't that interesting?
1: But the benefits of the union were that gateway to a higher level of, of production quality and also retirement and, and pension programs that that are hard sometimes to duplicate as a non-union person unless you belong to some other outside the industry union that provides you with a benefits package. Uh, artists are not well known for their proclivity for saving for retirement. Uh, so there, there are some kind of trade-offs there. And, one of the things I want to talk to you about at at some point has to do with uh, the trade-offs that you may have had to have made in your career in order to get the experience you've gotten and be where you are today.
2: Yep.
0: In fact, yeah, we'll get into that in another episode as we, we tend to do, Fred. Well, we tend tend to do that. So, okay, we're not just going to do one episode again. Here we are. We're going to do more than (laughs) one. As
1: long as we don't upset Stan oh, no, we may sorry. be able to be a- asked back or
0: or uh, ask him seems. out Stan seems tolerant <laughs> okay do you want do you want to walk into the next Absolutely. room I, because i'm sure curious as to sure, what's happening over here okay Hair goods.
2: That <laughs> this is interesting because you guys are uh, arriving here just at a time where next week we're going to knock out this wall and actually double the space of our initial classroom. Uh, what's nice about that is um, I get lots of great upgrades on that. So it's going to be a better facility for the students' experience and better for my staff. Good. What happens here? What happens here is, again, we start off with a lot of uh, introductory things regarding basic makeup. So students get their first makeup kits. We have classes with product knowledge. We get into our first application classes in here. Students will work on each other. So there'll be a demonstration done at the front. You can see there's a camera here. So that zooms in and gives them a big close-up if there's like something happening on an eye makeup or something.
0: Right, and I see you have actual proper television lights here. So it's all properly balanced. It's all properly lit. That is so key. You know, not have
2: proper, like, tungsten lighting and then the stations that the students work at have balanced daylight fluorescence so we get really accurate skin tone. in fact you you have three-point lighting here you have a key you have a fill you have a backlight <laughs> it's yeah all the basics are here absolutely in fact this is probably better than obviously most makeup
1: trailers but it's a nice I, I haven't been in a room with so many mirrors since i visited my bachelor uncle 30 years ago but uh, i have a technical question sure i know that's a surprise but uh, how has advancements in high-definition television for example impacted on uh, what one could get away with Uh,
2: before HD? That's a great question uh, because we've had to implement those things in the program, in the curriculum we do. Mostly that's a product thing. Right now we're in an era where every six months there's a new HD camera system coming out that the motion picture business is using. So between studio television, years ago CNN for example went to HD when they first did that and everybody looked terrible. The sets look great, things look great, but people don't look so great. The hair and the skin, you see every crater on somebody's face. So they said, what do we do? And they developed different makeup products. Uh, That was one thing, but truthfully it comes down to lighting. And they've improved HD enormously to the point where it's, you know, not as unflattering as it used to be, but there is products that are specialized uh, and created for HD work.
1: I remember working on a non-entertainment project where uh, a beautiful woman walked from room to room demonstrating the furnishings in a, in a new house. And when we came to edit the piece, her beautifully brushed teeth were so bright white. It was the only thing you saw on screen. We had to go dim the entire image out of its HD capacity just so that this Cheshire cat look
2: wouldn't wouldn't walk back and forth across the screen. It's crazy. And I you know, I feel fortunate in my in my makeup career before coming here to work with a lot of amazing cinematographies and learning as you're watching these Academy Award winning guys light sets and light actors. And I came to the conclusion as a makeup artist that lighting is everything. I can do the greatest makeup in the world and I've seen it look really kind of so so. And I've also done mediocre
0: work that looked amazing because of my camera, you know, so so again, it's, it's back to the thing that we always talk about, which it is a team sport, right? That the lighting people, the makeup people, they have to be on the same page.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: That communication is,
2: is vital. So we're able to, being that most of our instructors, in fact, all of our instructors are professionals currently in the industry and then teaching with us, but when they're between gigs, they're bringing that knowledge and those sorts of lessons to the classroom. That's what we're trying to do with this series, actually.
1: Tell people the tips and and things that they'll find out eventually, sometimes the hard way, but get it to them now. Not necessarily what you normally hear in the classroom unless in fact the instructor happens to be a veteran or a warrior or, or one who is in the trenches all the time and can warn the young people off about it. Speaking of warnings and advances in the, uh, in the technology, for years I was on a, a, a board that looked into the safety on set principles. And I know a number of, of industrial accidents in our industry over the years have happened because of the materials used in makeup. Maybe the most famous
2: Buddy Ebsen No, no, the fellow that played the Tin Man, he was supposed to be Buddy Ebsen. I actually worked with Buddy Ebsen and got to hear that story from him because he lost out on the part. He was cast in The Wizard of Oz. And in those days, how do you make him look like a Tin Man in 1936? And they would put paste on his face and blow aluminum dust to cling to the paste and to, he, anyway I worked with him back in I guess the 80s and he was about 88 at the time. He said that his hair and nails still had traces of aluminum when they were tested. Uh, but he lived a good long life surprisingly.
1: Yes he did, but uh, <laughs> yes he did. But
2: you're talking about safety concerns with with our industry and with makeup and that's a huge thing. When you have students, safety becomes even bigger than when it's in the industry. Uh, So, for example, uh, if we're airbrushing products, we're using mostly water-based products as opposed to alcohol-based paints. And in Term 3, we actually have one of the professionals come in to fit everybody with a proper respirator. Uh, When we get into our shop environments and our other campuses, Everything is is all you know safety equipped with uh, air control systems because they're using chemicals, plaster dust. Every individual station has a, a an air intake system that takes away any of the toxic fumes if they're working with some sort of adhesive or something. So this has
0: been like a huge part of how we design our classrooms. In fact, you do have your other campuses and. Here, we're, we've seen a couple of your labs, but what do you have going on over there?
2: There at the uh, larger uh, campus, uh, the Franklin Studio, we call it, that's where it's sort of a major workshop. It's kind of like a, a fully equipped special effects makeup lab. So we are actually doing larger scale sculpts, molds, uh, giant confection ovens to bake foam latex in and uh, create prosthetics, making teeth, all that sort of thing. Go for it. I got nothing. I thought you wanted to say something. I thought you wanted
1: to say something. I want to take a picture of the three of us while we've got mirrors, and we can get all three of us in the picture. Well, we're still rolling. <laughs> I know. Can we stop? Have you no off button there?
0: No, well, <laughs> we should at least end the
1: episode, Fred. Fine. I've got a sign here. Take a picture with Stan. I just want to go on record and say. Yeah, says. but wait till we're done rolling. Stan, you're a an encyclopedia of information on uh, not only your own program and skill set, but also the the, the broader outreach uh, that VFS has in terms of various and other programs, many of which we'd love to come back and find out more about. But right now, we want to say thank you very much for being with us, and would you consider having us back in your house once the renos are done, and perhaps uh, being able even to, to chat with some of the
0: students.
2: Absolutely. There's nothing like being in the class when students are here and we'll have an even better space.
0: Good. We'll catch up with you one more time. Excellent. At least. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity.